Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. I have a question for you. Can you think of moments in your life, those single moments where everything changed in an instant? Anybody? I'm a dates person, and I can think back in my life to moments that everything changed, and I think about one of them that comes to mind is January 17th, 1994 at 4.31 a.m. Was anyone there? A couple of people? I was in Southern California. I was a sophomore in high school, and all of a sudden, the earth started shaking, and we had a 6.7 earthquake, and not my, obviously I'm still here and people I love are still here, but what changed in that moment for me was I, I was unaware to that point that life could change and literally crumble around me in a moment. And that was kind of freaky. And I think about May 6th, 1997, a few years later, I went on a hike with this guy from church that I had a ridiculous crush on for like six years. And we had on that hike one of those things the kids are calling these days a DTR. If you know what a DTR is, it's a define the relationship conversation. And it was awesome. It was great. It worked out well. And by the end of the night, I was 100% convinced that I would marry this man. And I did. And you know him. And he is awesome. But there's these moments that change our life in an instant. And even ones that don't just change our life, but change the lives of the world. And I think about September 11th, 2001. Most of you, if you're old enough, remember exactly where you were that day when the Twin Towers fell down. And our nation changed in an instant. And so the Bible talks about time in two different ways. It talks about chronological time, chronos, the time that we know of that's day by day, month by month, time in a continuum. And then it talks about this word that it calls kairos. And that is these divine moments that come. And if you imagine your life as a timeline and those moments just kind of plop down and you can see them and pinpoint them, and those are the moments where everything changes. And we're going to be talking about one of those this weekend. And it's one that altered the life of the world so much and changed it so drastically that it actually changed the way we document time. If you've ever written a check recently, which I was behind someone at the grocery store that wrote a check on Thursday, and I thought, do people still do this? Like, and she had to borrow a pen. So a PSA, if you still write checks at the grocery store, bring your own pen because the people behind you get impatient. But anyway, every single time you and I write 2000 and 19, we are calling to remembrance the moment in history when everything changed. And of course, I'm talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. And you might be thinking in this moment, does she know that it's two weeks before Easter? Like, why is she about to bring us a Christmas message? You know, next week's Palm Sunday. But here's the thing. We've been in this anchored series and Preston has been laying down some ridiculous truth. I don't know if you've been getting a lot out of it, but my world has been rocked. And, and what I've found more than anything is that the faith that I live out in my life has a more clear, better understanding of who I'm anchored to. Have you been feeling that too? As we talk about who God is. And so as we talk about these foundational things, I think it's so important that we not only talk about who God is and what he's like, but that he came to earth. And so we're going to be talking about a very simple yet completely 
profound reality today that we know as the incarnation. And that is the moment in history when the God of the universe stepped out of eternity and into humanity. And we're going to be talking about why that's important, why it matters, and what effects in our lives we should see because of the fact that that happened. So, the first point in your notes is this. The mystery of the gospel rests on the fact of incarnation. An incarnation is not a word that you see in scripture, but it's a religious term that we use to describe the moment that the creator of the universe, the all-powerful one, the sovereign God who, who was and is and is to come, who's incomprehensible, came to earth in the form of the person of Jesus Christ. And so the title of my message this weekend is A Baby Changes Everything. The reality is the foundation for everything we believe rests on this fact. And you might be thinking, but what about the cross? What about the resurrection? Aren't those the most important thing? And I'm not saying that they're not, but I am saying this. Without the incarnation, without God of the universe coming to earth in human flesh, those would mean nothing. And I love the way Billy Graham said this. He says, the great mystery of the incarnation is the crux and the core of the Christian message. It is the mystery over which the rationalists stumble, by which the humanists are offended, and by which the world is bewildered. Because think about this. If we can wrap our mind around the fact that God, all that we've been learning about him, came to earth as a man. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Of course there could be a virgin birth. Of course the miracles that Jesus did would be NBD. Like, no big deal. Of course he could die and come back to life and pay the price for all of our sin. He's God. And so we have to first come to this revelation that the God of the universe came to earth, and that is a foundational piece of our faith. First Timothy says it like this in 3.16. It says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Every New Testament reality rests upon the building block that God came to earth in the form of Jesus. It's all based on that. And around here, you'll hear us say a lot that we're not really about religion. Our desire and our focus is, we say it's about romance. And what does that mean? Well, that means God is a relational God. From the beginning of scripture, he was at the beginning and the end. It, every single part in the middle, all of it is about relation. Think about this. He existed as himself, as we've learned in this series, in, in relationship with himself as a triune God. He was about relationship before time even began. And then creation comes and he creates man for what? For relationship, right? Tells us in Genesis that he walked with them in the garden. And then the moment that Adam and Eve sinned and broke the relationship we had with God, he instantly put his plan in motion to restore that relationship. Every single thing he does is about relationship, and that is the reason that he came. Listen to this. In Revelations 21.3, John is talking about the vision that he's having, and he says this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. From the beginning to the end, the entire book is about God being with us. 
And because that's his heart, and because that's his desire, there was a moment in history that the only way we could have that relationship is if he stepped out of eternity and into humanity. And that is the purpose and the reason for incarnation. We could not get to God in our brokenness, in all of our righteousness. The Bible says it's what? Filthy rags. Like there was no way for us to get to him, so he had to come to us in the form of Jesus Christ. Every single thing that he did in coming to earth as a man, fully God and fully man, was to be with us. Now here's the thing that we need to know. This was prophesied throughout Old Testament and fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Think about this. Matthew 1.23, they're quoting Isaiah, and it says this. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The reality that he is with us changes everything. And I know it's a simple truth, but that profound reality has to permeate every part of our faith, every part of our belief, every part of who we are, and that's what it's designed to do. Life was not meant to live for God. It was meant to be lived with him. And that happened when he came to earth and said, Emmanuel is here, God with us. So we're going to look at three ways, and there's so many, but we're going to look at three ways this weekend that our lives are affected when we choose to live life with God. And the first one that we're going to look at is that life with him brings revelation. How do I know that I'm actually living life with God? Well, you know it because life with him brings revelation. God reveals himself to mankind, as we sang today, in tons of ways. Through creation, when we look out at what he's created, we see God. He reveals himself to mankind in many ways, but the clearest, fullest picture we will ever, ever get of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 8 to 9, Philip said this, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. John says it in the very beginning. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus came to earth to reveal who the Father was to us. The message translation says that exact same verse like this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Jesus came to represent the father. A couple weeks ago when in this series, Preston mentioned that, and taught that God is incomprehensible. Like our finite minds cannot comprehend an infinite God. And it's true. And scientists tell us that they've, they've looked at the human brain and they've labeled this process that our brain actually does and they've called it filling in. And what that means is that when we have missing information or maybe we don't physically see a clear picture, our brain goes to work into filling in the gaps that are missing. It literally fills things in. And what does it fill things in with? Fills it in with the experiences that we've had, the knowledge that we have, all that we have experienced, so it's a very limited picture, and there's oftentimes we see things and we perceive them in ways that aren't reality because our mind does this filling in the gap per se. So think about how this could impact how you see God. If our finite minds cannot comprehend an infinite God, 
what does it do? It goes to work filling in the gaps. And how does it fill in the gaps? Experience, our emotional state, our biases. So maybe for you or for others, we've had a bad picture of what a father like, looks like, right? Or maybe a loved one or a spiritual leader. So what happens when we think of God, our filter, our mind goes to work filling in the gaps, this picture of what God is like based on the experiences that we've had. And that wasn't good enough for God. And so he sent his son Jesus to give us a clear picture of who he is. So every time we wonder or every time we might get confused, we have a a beautiful, perfect picture of what God is like. He's a God that heals the brokenhearted. He's a God that comes close. He's a God that opens blind eyes. He's a God that when there was not enough to provide for everyone, he took five loaves and two fish and he provided for every single person there. He's a God that in the midst of the woman caught in the act of adultery, in the midst of her brokenness, when everyone thought she should be stoned and condemned, he picked her up, dusted her off and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That is our God. So I don't know what picture you've seen or the experiences you've had, but God gives us a gift when we live life with him is that we get to see his heart and see who he is so clearly in the person of Jesus Christ. We get a clear picture of who he is. Life with God brings revelation. The second way that we can begin to know that we're living life with God and that it's not just a head knowledge, but it's a reality that permeates our heart, is this. Life with him brings reconciliation. Jesus, God, God with us, Jesus came to the earth, fully God and fully man, to reconcile us to himself. And that word reconcile, when you think about maybe two people that have been estranged, right? They've had a falling out, or they have had something come in between them, When they come back together, what's the word that they say happens? Reconcile. Again, we see a picture of a relational God that would do anything to get to us and restore relationship. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. That's a huge component because here's here's the thing. When Jesus came to the earth to reconcile us, he reconciled our right standing and our right relationship. So not only do we have forgiveness of sins, but we've also been restored in relationship through reconciliation. Jesus said this, Luke 19.10, he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Emmanuel, God with us, came for the reason to seek and save those who are lost. That we would not live life for God, but we would live life with him. He came to restore our relationship with him. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Ephesians 2, 13. But now... You and I have been united with Christ Jesus once. We were far away from God, but now we have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. He came to reconcile us. Forgiveness of sins 
is essential, but what a beautiful picture it is that not only are our sins forgiven, not only do we stand in right standing with God, but we stand in right relationship with him. What a selling point that is for the gospel, right? Do you think, I'm going to read this to you out of 2 Corinthians 5.18. It talks about reconciliation. It's not in your notes, but listen. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the world at large thinks that our message is that God's no longer counting people's sins against them? Do you think that? Anybody? What would it look like if the message that the world heard from the church is not just that your sins can be forgiven, but guess what? You can walk through this life with the God of the universe in right relationship with him every single day. When you need wisdom, he'll be there with wisdom. When you need hope, he'll be there with hope. When you feel broken and alone, you will never be alone because you will be with him. You will be reconciled to God. If that message was a life, a message that we lived because of our example of living life with God, but also what we declared through our mouth, in our boxes, in our cards, however we're spreading his word, that the message of the gospel is God's not counting our sins against us. In the person of Jesus, he took care of that. He's done with sin. It's been taken care of. Just be reconciled to God. Come back into relationship with him. He made a way through the person of his son, Jesus. And as believers, I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the blessings of forgiveness and the blessings of his provision and all these wonderful things that he gives to us. And sometimes we miss out that life with God is the ultimate gift. Think about my husband. He is a really great gift giver. He is an extravagant gift giver. And every time I think I've got him and I'm going to just really give him an awesome gift, his gift to me is better. And it's so frustrating, like so frustrating. I'm just like, ah, one time I just want to win. But he always wins. He outgives me. He writes amazing cards. He's a really good dad. He provides for our family. But all of these things that he does and is to me pale in comparison to being in relationship with him. I'd give every single one of them up to be with him. And if we can grasp that desire, that that life with God is the ultimate goal, it's the story from beginning to end, to be in relationship with God. More than any gift he can give us, more than any blessing he can bestow on us, life with him is the greatest gift. And the third thing, third way we can see life with him is affected in our life is this. Life with him brings repentance. That's a really fun word. We love that word, repentance. But we know we're living life with God when we have repentance in our life. The problem is repentance has kind of gotten a bad rap. But here's the thing. When Jesus first started on the scene, listen to what it says. John the Baptist has discovered the Messiah is here and he's going around saying this in Matthew 3 verse 1 and 2. It says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
And then Jesus, he comes out of the wilderness. He's beginning his ministry. And the first things we hear him say is, in Matthew 4, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The incarnation, God coming to earth, demands a response. And that response is repentance. Problem is, the picture that you and I have of repentance is probably a little bit skewed because maybe it's just me, but when I think of the word repentance, this is what I think about. I'm just going to give you a sample. Here's one thing like people standing on the side of the road with messages like God hates, whatever, fill in the blank, you can figure it out. Maybe just this declaration of repent now, or my favorite. Turn or burn. I hope this doesn't get on Instagram because that would be a bad, it's like not my goal. But this is the picture that we have of repentance in our mind. And this is the picture of the world that the world has of repentance. And I believe today God wants to kind of give us a brand new picture because believe it or not, whether you like it or not, life with God brings repentance, but that's not what he meant by it. And I think when Jesus declared that the kingdom of heaven is here, it's time to repent. He's saying, I am here and everything changes now. Listen to this. The word repent actually is this, this Greek word that says metaneo, and it, it means to change one's mind or way of thinking, to go in a totally different direction. And I wonder... If when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is here, it's time to repent. He isn't saying, hey, this path that humanity was on for thousands of years, this way to get to God that you've tried, and man, you have really failed because you had the law, you had this path, you knew how you should think and what you should do, but you couldn't do it. You couldn't get there. You had no way to actually get there. You were helpless, the Bible says, utterly helpless. All of the righteousness that you could produce on your very best day was like filthy rags. But guess what? I'm here, and now everything changes. There is now a path that you and I, you can be reconciled to God, and you can actually change the way you think. You have the power to live a completely different way because I am here. And so this is the picture I believe he wants to see of repentance. And I, and I tried to say, God, I don't want this to be our picture of repentance anymore. I want us to have a new picture. And so he reminded me of a story. And the best picture that I can give you today is the time. Well, so Brad and I, I was, I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother that's 16 months younger than me. We're very close. He's one of my BFFs. If you listen to this, I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus. But what happened was Brad and I had kids earlier than everybody else. And I just remember my brother, he had a lot of opinions about parenting. Like, I remember, like, the first kid my, time my kids had sticky fingers or, like, runny noses. He just kind of had this air about him of, like, my kids, they won't have sticky fingers. No, no. They, runny noses, no. Or like if they had too much screen time, he just kind of had this idea of how much Sesame Street they should watch or, you know, what kind of food. I mean, he just had a lot of opinions. And to be frank, it was actually really annoying. And I was kind of just rolling my eyes, trying to take it in and thinking, gosh, we're trying really hard. Like, you don't understand. But then a miracle happened. You know what happened. He got married, 
and he and his wife had a baby. And I remember when that baby was put into his arms, everything changed. The way that he saw the world, the way that he thought about life, everything he thought before changed in an instant because the presence of this baby was now in his life. He could never go back to what life was like before because now he was a parent. And all of us parents know this, whether you've, you've got to hold your baby for a few hours or a few years, whatever your story looks like, becoming a parent changes you instantly. I don't care if they come through fostering or adoption. That fact of when they put the presence of that baby in your arms changes everything. And I wonder if when Jesus came to earth, he wasn't saying like, I'm here. You can actually change the way you think. You can actually change the way you live your life because I am here. Everything is different. Life can look completely different. And, and though Jesus is no longer physically on the earth, in John 14, 16, he said this, I'll ask the Father. He's telling them he's about to go, and he says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he will help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. When Jesus came to the earth, when God stepped out of eternity and came into humanity, forever and ever and ever, you and I have the access to live life with God. We have it. But I wonder how many times we live life and we've got God with us for maybe our salvation and our forgiveness of sins, but we're trying to handle the rest of it on our own. I've, I only am saying this because I've lived it. Like I've lived life for God and I've lived life with God and I'm just here to tell you life with God is so much better. I think about the disciples on the Sea of Galilee when they, they got into the boat and, they, and Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat and all of a sudden a storm comes and fear grips them. They're panicking. They don't know what to do. The waves are getting too big. They run, they wake up Jesus and he wakes up out of a dead sleep. He calms the storm. He calms the sea. And he looks at them and says, is your faith so little? And I wonder if he thought, like, don't you realize I'm with you now? Doesn't mean storms aren't gonna come. It doesn't mean we're not gonna walk through difficult things, but I am with you every step of the way. And there are things in our lives that I think we've got Jesus in the bow of the boat and we don't realize that he's actually with us and we're trying to strong arm them and muster them and handle them with our own bootstraps and take care of it and live life for God rather than living life with him. And I believe today in this place, he wants us to look at our lives and say, is there an area in my life that I actually need to repent? That I need to change the way I think in that area? Maybe it's the area of your marriage. Maybe you have tried everything that you can do in your own strength and you just can't fix your husband or your wife. Maybe it's time to do marriage with him. Maybe it's your singleness. Maybe in your singleness you have just tried to wait and hope, but you haven't actually invited him 
into this season of your life or your finances or even your career. I mean, you maybe you're just crawling up that ladder and you've never actually stopped to think, is this the ladder you're on? Because I want to be on the ladder that you're on. Life with him is so much better. Emmanuel, God with us. And so I believe this weekend, God wants us to repent in some areas of our lives and look at our lives to see. So in just a moment, I'm going to have you, um, we're going to pray, have you bow your heads and close your eyes. But I want you to be aware of this fact in this moment, that it is possible to be living your life with access to the God of the universe and kind of leaving him in the dust. But if you'll let him, he wants to step into the areas of your life that you're holding on to so desperately. And he wants to say, I'm here and everything can be different. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.